0: When I was putting the book together, the nostalgia was, I think, 85 percent stuff that I remembered fondly. And then the, you know, just talking to people about what I was doing um, would almost inevitably bring up a reference that they you know, sort of thought of. We we functioned more in just catchphrases. So there was whatever and loser and oh, yeah. Um, uh, did, did I do, I do that? that? <laughs> I'd like to point out that that was not on the script or the like the pre-anything that happened at the same time. Um, we we which, both it, got
1: activated.
0: <laughs> which, I mean, that proves the point, though, you know, when we... That was one that was sitting right on the top because it was everywhere and everyone was doing something with it.
1: Welcome back to Amuse Bouche, a podcast where we muse about food. I'm your host, Kaylani Pomisano, and this week we're exploring 90s nostalgia with Sam Slaughter, the guy who literally captured the spirit of the decade with his cocktail book, Are You Afraid of the Dark Rum and Other Cocktails for 90s Kids? For anyone who grew up in America during the 90s, the names of cocktails like I'm Too Sexy for This Grog, which is a spiced molasses and dark rum drink, or the Piccolodeon, a 90s twist on the pickleback, you're going to have a blast from the past. Flipping through this cocktail book is proof of just how pervasive pop culture can be. And it seems like more and more of today's culture is going back to 90s nostalgia. Everything from fashion to rebooting old TV shows. But from talking to Sam, I learned that there's more to riffing with nostalgia than clever references and puns. There's considering the cultural context of then and now. There's recognizing that not everything was perfect in the time that we're pining for. And though you're playing with something that's already been done before, it's still really important to create something new with it, something real, something that's still authentic. Pulling off nostalgia can be tricky. It takes a lot of work, research, and a fluency in the decade that you're referencing. In the case of Are You Afraid of the Dark Rum, Sam is clearly a master at both the language of the 90s and the language of cocktails. This was a really fun conversation, so I hope that you enjoy it. Sam Slaughter is a food and drink writer and spirits educator based in Greenville, South Carolina. His work can be seen in Maxim, Bloomberg, Inside Hook, The Bitter Southerner, and many more, his first cocktail book, Are You Afraid of Dark Rum and Other Cocktails for 90s Kids, shows you how to mix up nostalgia in a glass. Each cocktail recipe triggers random memories of pop music, trendy toys, Nickelodeon shows, and everything and anything that embodies the spirit of the 90s. Sam, what do the 90s taste like?
0: Uh, Sugar? I think if we were being honest, it's a lot of sugar and processed chemicals and blue numbers like 40, 45, 50, 9, 8. I don't know what the numbers mean, but a lot of those colored number things.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You you say the chemicals and sugar – distinctly reminds me of things like dungaroos or gushers or uh, like pop rocks, like things like that.
0: (laughs) Or all of them together, like I may or may not have done in my childhood because I was spunky or precocious, however you want to call it.
1: (laughs) So with this, uh, with this cocktail book, um, like what kind of came first? Like, how did you come up with some of these recipes? Was it the the reference or was it the cocktail or a little mix of both?
0: it was definitely a mix of both. Um, the, the title cocktail, are you afraid of the dark rum was one where I kind of reverse engineered it. I had the name and then I had to figure out what that meant. And so it was a process of just throwing, you know, spaghetti at a wall and seeing what stuck. Um, some of the other ones, let me see the, um, hmm. the, Oh, Yes, the uh, the Freshman of Bel Air. So these are both two of the first three cocktails in the book. The first three are my favorites, and they were the ones that kind of came came first. But that one I had originally done for a cocktail competition uh, with Bombay Sapphire down at uh, there's a, a conference called Tales of the Cocktail that happens for industry people every year. And they did a pairing contest where previous winners of their other one were paired with media as advisors and so they gave us uh you know a bottle of bombay and then they unveiled a wall of ingredients told us we had 30 seconds to pick some stuff and then we had to make a cocktail and that's what came out of that and so I really liked the cocktail it didn't win anything but I really enjoyed it and so then when it came time to putting these things together about a year later I I still had it written down in like on a napkin that i had stuffed into a notebook or something. And that, that went into the rotation. So it, I would say half of them, maybe a little under half were cocktail first. And then the rest were definitely, I had a pun or a joke that I wanted to use and I had to figure the rest out from there.
1: And uh, like, I've flipped through, I tried the I'm the cocktail, gotta love me, which uh, is Dinosaurs, the show Dinosaurs, which I feel like is a show that you don't think about on a general basis. But when you see a meme or someone references it, suddenly it's just poof, you, you get flooded by all of these memories, which is what flipping through this cocktail book is like. You forget about these things and then all of a sudden, like some type of Russian spy, you've been activated by some like <laughs> jingle or slogan.
0: Yeah, it the the research process for a lot of the pop culture i mean a lot of it some of it was on the surface of of my brand i know that we'll probably talk more about that later but it i watched i love the 90s the entire series um two or three times all the way through just back to back and then i love the 90s part two which not as good but <laughs> still uh, informative as far as like oh that happened Yes. Ooh. But then also using the hindsight of, I mean, the, the research for this was 2015, 2016, some 2017 for like revisions and stuff. But like mm-hmm. even sitting there going, oh God, that didn't age well. Or just reflecting upon how how calm things seemed or how how just easy it seemed. And I guess that plays into the nostalgia of things. But like just rewatching those was was a blast from the past, but also just a, a blow to the gut at times.
1: Oh, definitely. It, it awakens something within you that brings you back to such a interesting time. There's definitely not a time like the nineties. And I sometimes wonder if it was kind of like the last age of nostalgia, the last time that we're all going to have these things that we all relate to, like uh, commercials or full house, like television shows or particular celebrities or or certain albums, like when everybody was kind of listening to Britney Spears at the same time or NSYNC at the same time. And I wonder, like, are kids like in 30, 40 years or whatever, will kids have as much nostalgia for The 2000s or 2010, maybe like a little bit of the 2000s, but will they have enough as much nostalgia as they do for like the 2010s as they do for as we do for the 1990s? It just feels like there's there were way more fads.
0: One of the I saw something on Facebook and the way that this person put it was when we were growing up or when any of these things were happening, we didn't have the access that is available now. So whether it's TV or anything, Uh, you know, Spotify is probably the easiest, um, right, where you can have a playlist that has music from literally every decade, you know, there's stuff from the 1920s on there all the way through to a song that came out yesterday is already on there. And so the the cultural context of any of that stuff is gone. It's all just on a streaming platform now. And none of this is my idea. It's just stuff I've seen on Facebook. So I am not the smart person that has thought about this. I've just reflected upon it. But like with any of the, the cultural things that we have, those touchstones now, even if they're from the nineties, they're still present today. Um, And the one example that they used was the office. Like I remember when the office came out, I remember watching the last season, you know, I was, I think I was living in Florida at that time, but like friends would come over and we would watch it on thursdays and you know you had to wait those weeks where while there are shows that still follow that that schedule so many more are just made for binging now yeah but regardless of that uh part you know you can watch the office now and have kids who are in high school who are you know 10 20 year that, that weren't born when it came out relating to you know jim and pam or whatever where you know, we were doing it as it was live. It's still part of their culture, but there's also so much else going on that it becomes just kind of a, a morass of everything where back then, I think things were more defined.
1: That's true. Yeah. Like kind of the weekly, uh, cadence of shows it like meant that storylines and television programs and things lasted longer we had time to go to the office and say oh or go to school for us oh did you see the last episode of dinosaurs or did you see full house last night or did you see what happened to danny tanner or whatever um whereas now there's shows that people just watch an entire series of all at once. And maybe someone hasn't had a chance to binge it. And so we're all on these different like schedules. But not only that, I feel like there's a lot of memes that come out. Like, I feel like part of The Office and its timelessness is that there's tons of GIFs, there's tons of memes. And so all of the references, you know, kind of get re-engineered and fit into almost like a way to Communicate with one another, but do you think that the '90s is quite memeable?
0: I think it is. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, th- we we functioned more in just catchphrases. So there was whatever and loser and oh, yeah. Um, uh, did I, did do, I that? do that? <laughs> Like to point out that that was not on the script or the like the pre anything <laughs> that happened at the same time. Um, we we which both it, got
1: activated,
0: <laughs> which I mean, that proves a point though. You know, when we that was one that was sitting right on the top because it was everywhere and everyone was doing something with it. You know, I wasn't of the age to be watching SNL necessarily, and I didn't have the access to be able to go back whenever because it played at 11 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock or whatever. And I was a child and my parents were like,
1: you need to bed. go to bed. Yeah. yeah.
0: Snick so is that We could watch it's SNL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm sure they were also making fun of it. I can go back now and look at that and see and kind of either confirm or, you know, not deny, but confirm whether or not that existed, but like, Back then we didn't have that. And so it just was was just the fact that we would see it everywhere while we were present for it or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And nostalgia can sometimes be like like there's I feel like a lot of things are coming out now where they're bringing back like they brought back Rocco's Modern Life. They brought back a lot of the different like television shows. Um, I know they brought back like Roseanne, um, which is a whole other situation and story. But when you bring something like this back, which the cocktail book, your cocktail book does in a really, really fun and really good way and has also a lot of subtleties, which I'll get into a little bit later. But I've seen nostalgia like just not work out or or sometimes just be like a way, you know, sometimes it feels like a like a low hanging fruit of like, oh, remember all of these like South Park's member berries or like the, you know these references that, uh, that people really kind of fall back on, um, with this cocktail book, were you kind of aware of how nostalgia could sometimes like not work out or like what kind of went into that planning?
0: Yeah. And I think for me, when I was putting the, I mean, for when I was putting the book together, the nostalgia was, I think 85% stuff that I remembered fondly. And then the you know just talking to people about what i was doing um would almost inevitably bring up a reference that they you know sort of thought of so i remember speaking with um my mentor from college back when i was putting it together and he's obviously you know he and his wife are much older they were i think in college in the 90s and so his references that immediately came to mind for him I just sat there, you know, with my coffee staring at him blankly and he goes, Oh wait, you were too. Never Uh, Um, but it was still, you know, important for him. And so that's when more research would be done. And, you know, if there was some import to that, then that kind of would have worked its way in. And I think one of the examples of that would be the burden of 90 proof, the cocktail, which is named after the, the novel, um, and movie, I think, but, I only watched that in 2016 when I was looking up, you know, books that were impactful in the nineties, you know, outside of Harry Potter or, um, you know, some of the other ones, uh, you know, for me, it was goosebumps and Christopher Pike and like that era and sort of genre of things. But obviously there were other books that were important for people and that were bestsellers and all that. And so, um, it was, you know, that was how I approached that stuff. As far as kind of the, the problematic end of nostalgia. Um, I tried my best to kind of approach the either, I guess not approach things that I knew would be, um, incredibly problematic. So there was no like white Bronco cocktail. Oh Um,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
0: but if, you know, using, Hindsight to just sort of see how things have played out as well. Um, if they didn't play out well, chances are they weren't going to make it into the book because I'd rather just have people have that um, that gauze over everything and have that fun, nice memory as opposed to, oh, no.
1: I really liked every now and again, you're not just talking about the cocktail. You're also talking about a little bit about your life. You're talking about um, there are these like pop up video like references Throughout the book, which is, it, did you mean it to be like pop up video?
0: Yeah, that was one thing that I want that I fought for. So the the original document, it's
1: brilliant.
0: Thank you. Um, <laughs> the The original document just had, um, I mean, it was a word document that I had just written out. But they were in, you know, in bold at the end of the the recipe. It was just those those facts or whatever they ended up calling them. But when I sent everything over, I was like, this is what I want those to look like. Yeah. Figure out a way to do it, please. Because I I mean, I remember growing up on pop-up video and, you know, that or the the dripping sound is really more what it was when those things popped up was always um, fun.
1: And they were always really interesting, neat, contextual facts that were the stories either behind the artist or behind the video itself or, oh, something that was happening in this, like, frame or whatever. Um, But I liked pog because you had some personal experiences traveling to hawaii and pog is a very distinct moment in 90s history where kids would almost like kind of like pokemon cards it was that was a meme hello like pogs they had like different you know characters on them from television shows moments and movies that you could collect and and trade or play for keeps or whatever and you have a great pop-up video reference or pop-up caption about Pog and what Pog is. Can you speak to that?
0: Sure. So the the original Pog is a passion fruit, orange, and guava. Uh, and it was it's from the, I think it was the 70s where a woman just started selling it. Um, and it's become a kind of the official drink of Hawaii. Um, and so when I was there, I had some. Uh, I was there with a brand, a rum brand, who... We got to, you know, enjoy the the history of Hawaii uh, through that rum brand's eyes uh, because the the person that's named after spent a lot of his life there um, and sort of set up shop there. And so we got to see his haunt, his his shop and all that. Um, and it, you know, it stuck with me because it was delicious and we were putting lots of rum in it, which made it even better. And so when getting to creating the cocktails, I had a bunch of pogs. I mean, if you went to Wendy's or McDonald's or anything, chances are in that time you were going to get Pogs or like in cereal boxes, they were everywhere. In you know, as you said, in different brands, like every brand had them. As you know, today every brand has like stickers on Instagram or something. Um, I should have thought more about the. No, no, I was
1: the thing that came to my mind was like, do brands have NFTs yet? <laughs> uh,
0: probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I can see like Frosted Flakes going big on it. Oh, you know, yeah. Just a Tony oh. the Tiger NFT.
1: But uh, I guess every brand has a Twitter account with a snarky personality. That could be. That's the pog of today.
0: <laughs> hey, I like Arby's and Wendy's have their whoever does their social is wonderful. Um, I, I really appreciate that stuff. That's when doom scrolling through Twitter. It is a nice reprieve from conspiracy theories and people just yelling at other people, which I do as well. I yell at companies when they, you know, do things and expect something to happen, even though I know nothing well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm
0: just feeding the flames, but.
1: <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, but with, with yeah, with with Pogs, you talk about the longstanding history of where the game kind of came from and it kind of came from, was it the Caps of the Juice? And yep, yep. yeah, and then they
0: would start kind of, you know, trading and playing and um, it kind of built its way out from there. And I um, the the shift to how that became popular again is escaping me at the moment. Um, the coffee hasn't hit my brain yet, but.
1: Oh, no worries. Um, I'm on coffee number two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, I mean, this is technically coffee number one, but it's a very giant mug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that sort of rise from something that was in the seventies to, you know, being revived would have, I guess, be sort of nostalgia. And then coming to where we are now with the drink, I guess it's nostalgia double time. I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: For you, there's a lot of music references in addition to great, you know, references to Nickelodeon, like Pickelodeon, the Hey Arnold Palmer. Um, What What triggers nostalgia for you? Is it music, television shows? Like what triggers it the most for you?
0: I think it would be music. And that's um, I think that's because it's the most accessible, especially with Spotify now, um, because I can have it really wherever, um, you know, in my car or while I'm working or something like that. Um, And I think the fact that some of the songs from the 90s, I mean, I'll I'll my one of the hills I will die on is 97 was the best year of that decade for pop music and kind of one of the best ones in general. Like you have songs like uh, Britney Spears came out that year, but you have songs like um, third eye blind, semi charm life that you walk into a bar and everyone still knows the words to that. Um, I'll be my I'll be by Edwin McCain is another one that came out that year. like, there were so many big songs that kind of have stuck around Um, even now, 24 years later, um, did I do the math? I did the math right.
1: Yeah, I think you did. I'm not good at math at all.
0: (laughs) Um, but I think because those things are still being, being utilized outside of my own kind of, um, playlist wants and needs, uh, that would be, those would be the things that trigger. Like I can think of You know, some I would spend summers doing art classes where my mom would drop me off in the morning and then like I would walk home. But we would always have the 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 radio on while we were doing whatever projects. And I remember listening as a kid in sixth grade to Marcy Playground sex and candy and knowing all the words, but like being still young enough to be ignorant of what exactly is being talked about. Other than like, I know what that word sex is. No idea the the mechanics involved, but this is (laughs) probably a dirty song.
1: Yeah, you've got sex and candy, which, yeah, that's so funny because (laughs) first off, I was like literally just singing that song for no reason the other day. Which, yeah, sometimes like I'll just bust out into a television theme, a You know, a jingle like last night we were rating our rices because I tried uh, making saffron rice for my very, very, very first time. And I was like, oh, I think I like saffron rice, but I don't know how it stacks up to cilantro rice. And my husband was like, but what about rice ceroni, the San Francisco <laughs> tree? And I was like, you can't stack rice ceroni But it's just, yeah. But uh, Sex and Candy was a song that I just used to just blurt out as a kid, not knowing what it meant. And everyone just thought it was funny because, oh, here's it. And now I'll age myself like seven or eight-year-old, depending on what time of year it was, Uh you know, seven or eight year old Keilani just running around singing this like absurd song, but I don't know why. Like they just became earworms. But yes, 97, 97 was a good year. That, but it's now you're kind of coming to the the decades close. Um, and even as you approach the end of the book, you you reference some of the internet. I really like. There's the ASL. Was that the correct? Order of mm-hmm. the letters. Yep. Yeah.
0: Next location.
1: Very specific. Very specific. Aim, speak.
0: <laughs> that I just like thinking about chat rooms that I would like. I had AOL and like they, they had the kids only chats. But then there were also other chat rooms that I wandered into. And I understand parent. I'm not a parent. I have a dog and that's it. But I understand parents concern with the Internet and strangers. And I've seen plenty of the chris hansen stuff by now but like oh how i was not abducted um kind of mate. well just in general like i i would i walked around a lot of places i went i took a train to high school 45 minutes from my house you know how i wasn't abducted a lot of times kind of surprises me these days and this plays into the nostalgia like everything seemed safe back then and it wasn't like it was
1: just as well, maybe uh, is it more dangerous now or is I think it it's more dangerous because dangerous? of
0: access, but yeah. it was still dangerous. Like it wasn't just now that there's the Internet, things are worse. Like it was still dangerous. People still got, you know, I mean, John JonBenet Ramsey happened in the oh, 90s. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Things happened everywhere. Yeah, things
1: things still happen, but it was I don't know if uh, like definitely the Internet. Uh, is something that made the news cycle a lot faster, made stories bubble up. Cause now I feel like we hear a lot about stories that we wouldn't have generally heard about back in, back in the nineties, um, But, yeah, I wonder that, too, because I used to just kids used to just wander around. We used to, like, walk through the woods. We used to ride our bikes around, you know, developments that were just sprouting up, which I feel like you don't see any developments being built as often. I feel like the 90s was a time where new development was happening. Oh, really? There's a lot
0: of new construction around here. Maybe
1: we just ran out of land here in New Jersey, but. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I would go with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, we
1: just ran out of space.
0: Like I remember growing up in suburban Jersey and you know, there would be barbecues or whatever with a couple of families and would all come over, but we would play manhunt at night in the like block area. And so it's, you know, Six, ten houses worth of like yards and street, yeah. and all the parents are just in the yard having a, a beer and a hot dog or whatever. And the kids are like, All right, I bet they're never gonna find me in this person's bush. Like, <laughs> yeah, anyone could have driven by and just been yoink.
1: <laughs> and you know, sadly, there probably was, but we
0: didn't hear it right. We don't have access to.
1: Yeah, someone didn't post a missing child report on Facebook, and it didn't get like a million shares. Uh, right. That wasn't happening in in the '90s. There were Amber Alerts, but people didn't have cell phones pinging in their you know right. in their there pockets were no push and For yeah, anything. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just such like a it's such a different time, um, and it's kind of funny to imagine that time interpreted as cocktails um but you know where did the original idea come from to kind of make a cocktail for all of these 90s moments and memories
0: um so i love 90s pop music uh, as i've said um and it's been a consistent part of of my life mostly through trivia when i go to trivia nights and can rock a solid 90s trivia category and have my friends staring at me like oh like I'm a freak, which I'm fine with because we win uh, and winning is important anyway. um, But I had been pitching a different cocktail book idea and then um, a publisher was interested in the kind of the m- me more than the, the subject itself. And so um, I had been kind of mulling over some other ideas. And then there was a night where I was um, drinking and listening to 90s music and oh, it kind man. of just was like. Uh, There's, there's another um, set of books out there by another person who does um, pun influenced cocktails and except they're just kind of renamed and not original cocktails. And so I, my thought was I can do that, but I can do it better with real cocktails um, having been a bartender and having worked in, in the industry in various ways. And so that plus um, alcohol, Plus 90s music equals book idea, um, which I then promptly texted to my agent, and then that got the ball rolling. Uh, and when the publisher wanted to see more, I went, "Oh, guess I have to come up with more ideas now."
1: Yeah, cool. no it's it's a good it's a good compendium of uh, moments, and it almost feels a little chronological because at the end you end with like the Y2K, which freaked everybody out, and. Um, you know, it just was like a nice close to the book, but also a nice close to the decade. Um, what, what what were some of your Y2K memories? Did people in your neighborhood or your vicinity take it really seriously? Were people really afraid?
0: I remember running over to my dad's laptop and turning it on at like 1201 just to see if it turned on. Um, yeah. And it did, clearly. Um, but that was really... That was really it. I don't think my parents were too concerned. Um, I don't remember any like overly paranoid feelings going on. Like it was a normal New Year's Eve. You know, we had a uh, there was a family that we would kind of alternate with. We would go to their house one year. They would come to ours. And so it was still just like we would do that. We had dinner and then watch the ball drop. They would give me a little bit of champagne. Yeah. And that was it. You know, computer still worked. Cool. Go to bed. Let's do it all again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I only knew of like one family that just had jugs of water in the basement and that was it. And I was like, really, of all the things like the water, I guess that's that that would be the thing that, you know, hey, make sure that you have clean water if for some reason Y2K. I think yeah. people like and, and it was funny because that was kind of the premise of the Office Space movie. If Do you remember mm-hmm. Office Space mm-hmm. where uh, his whole job was making sure that the numbers rolled over to the year 2000 and didn't – because a lot of computers – and I did – that was the one thing I did notice at, at our school computers. Certain games, like you would play the educational games and then it would give you like a certificate at the end mm-hmm. and the year – Flipped back to nineteen hundred, not the year two thousand. That was the only Y two K bug that I saw, but it was that was a fun, um, you know, little tidbit of a that Mike Judge movie.
0: That was, I mean that and that has a um, I mean that has its own kind of memorable stuff. Whether it's the the baseball bats uh, beating the thing while well, damn it feels good to be a gangster, oh, yes, or yes. the stapler. Like those things, I think, still um, stand up as as sort of the cultural pieces that kind of have come out of that movie
1: i actually have that like i have that swing line stapler <laughs> as my office stapler which a friend had bought for me which came in packaging branded of of you know office space <laughs>
0: and how often do you uh when you are looking for your stapler do you say it like milton or whatever his name was me in speaking. that very like yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i do it all the time and it's so funny i don't even think about it that's how programmed we are by like the different media that we've we've consumed over the years and it does make me wonder of like is it going to be timeless enough because there's a lot of things that feel very timeless um i'm you know it's funny i've been re-watching a lot of programs like i actually i didn't watch um oh gosh what's the one with Corey matthews boy meets world boy meets world i didn't watch boy meets world uh as a kid, but mm-hmm. I've been re-watching it with my husband. And it's a really good, wholesome show with lots of incredible lessons. Also, too, didn't realize they were from the Philadelphia area, so they drop all of these Philly references. <laughs> Their room is actually filled with stuff that my husband actually has, like Philly's blankets. We have mm-hmm. the same like Philly's trash can. It's bizarre. <laughs> we have a lot of the props from Boy Meets World. Um, but that show is Really, really good. And it's kind of cool. Like you can watch it. And aside from the clothing, um it still feels very relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And they just don't have cell phones. But that I can, you know, they're in high school. I don't, I'm still like, oh, I don't think high schoolers should have cell phones. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think a lot of those shows, I mean, because uh, when you get down to it, they're, they're life lessons and it's just being interpreted in a, a you know a timely way for them but the, the lessons haven't changed we still need to you know be nice to people um, and you know don't commit felonies or anything True um, that. Yeah. so yeah I think a lot of those shows hold up at least on, on that which is why some of them when they've been rebooted like Girl Meets World or Fuller House um, I think have fallen kind of flat because they did it right the first time Um, there's no need to keep it going.
1: Yeah. How did you feel? Did you watch when Rocco's Modern Life came back?
0: I did. Um, I thought they attended to a lot of those things really well without overdoing it. I mean, writing comedy is hard, um, or writing jokes is hard where, you know, it's one thing to throw all of the jokes out there, but it's another to kind of toe the line and know when enough is enough to let a joke land and everything like that. And I thought they did a good job towing that line by having enough cultural references for Rocco to reflect on without just going all of the things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I liked it.
1: Yeah. It was, it was decent. I like it's, it, it, it just still wasn't as good as old Rocco's modern life to me, but I do have to acknowledge and uh, like appreciate that. Like, Oh, it's because Rocco's modern life was so And that's funny that it's modern life. It was like so back then. Um, Yeah. But to kind of bring things home now, like what is nostalgia? What does it mean to be nostalgic for something?
0: I think it's – and it's something that I've thought about a lot in the last year when we're we're stuck inside with stress and anxiety and things. Um, It's the – the, the warm fuzzies, or it's the ability to kind of have, um, a security blanket to go back on and everything might not be perfect, but it is a reminder that, um, things can be good. Um, at least for you, you know, we're all, we all reflect differently on different things. And if it's something that you remember fondly then, and if that helps you get through, being stuck in your house for nine months or um, the feeling that uh, nothing is ever going to get better and we're all just going to just slowly melt away or whatever. Um, I think th- being able to hold on to it is, is a good idea and that you should and, you know, use those as moments of happiness or joy or whatever can get you through the day.
1: Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Do you also feel that like nostalgia is almost like a inside joke with a lot of people?
0: Yeah. Um, cause I mean, again, if you say, did I do that? Anyone, I would say our age or older are gonna understand that reference. And You know maybe that'll lead to a conversation maybe it'll lead to just like a quick laugh or maybe they don't like it for some reason and we'll tell you why like either way it's inviting some sort of interaction um between people
1: thank you so much to sam slaughter for being our guide through the 90s you can get a copy of are you afraid of the dark Rama and other cocktails for 90s kids on amazon one of the few companies to actually survive the dot-com bubble Amuse Bouche is hosted by yours truly, Kehlani Palmasano. The music at the beginning and the end of this podcast is by the Great North Sound Society, and the song is appropriately titled South Street Strut. A little nod to my Philly folks out there. At the moment, I'm working as a one woman band, producing, editing, and bringing these amazing food stories to your ears. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and also subscribe to the Amuse Bouche newsletter on Substack, where every week I share even more more food stories and recipes meant to delight and amuse. It's a free newsletter at the moment, but I do accept tips. So consider helping a sister out by throwing her a few bucks a month. If not, you can support me by liking, commenting, and sharing my work. You can also follow me personally at Kelani Says on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Amuse Bouche, feel free to slide into my DMs or hit me up on Substack.